I can already tell we got a good one today. Yep. I mean, we could we literally could have started the podcast just five minutes ago. Bernie and I are going back and forth, lots, <laughs> lots, and lots to talk about this week. And you yes. know what? Maybe, maybe a really good time for our guest. Um, it's a we're perfect have time for our guest, but I don't think he's going to give us an answer. I was going to say, I'm not sure we'll get much of an opinion he from is, him. Our, our guest is very him. good at not uh, not really giving an opinion yeah. while giving an opinion. So. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We'll try though. We'll try. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so super excited again for those of you who don't follow the sport um, as much as we do. Next week we head down to Corpus Christi, Bernie. It seems like it's been forever since we've had a national event. I mean, it really yeah. does. It's been a long time. And normally we have our first big national, our first big major um, around around the Super Bowl. But mm-hmm. this year we did the shootout instead and had Super Bowl. So still have not had our first major cornhole tournament. So it's coming up in Corpus Christi next weekend. And I cannot wait to get down there. I mean, seriously, like the anticipation is killing me. The storylines, there's so many names like Fisher Hamilton. I mean, I cannot wait to watch this kid play. Is he going to be Mark Richards? Is he going to steal the show and be rookie of the year? I mean, he's, you know, I cannot wait to watch some of these names that we talk about all the time, but okay. So let's get into this though, because this is going to be one. Hold hold on. First thing, first thing, this will air tomorrow on Thursday night. Today, Wednesday, that we are taping this yeah. is the drop, the initial drop of the, of our uh, video game, came out today. Oh. Uh, PlayStation comes out Friday. They think Friday's cleaner, whatever. But today is the drop of our video game. So that's been a buzz online from some of the players. Now, so, are you one of the, are you one of the voices? I know, the- I know, it's killing. The people are really upset. Actually, the only negative I've read so far is everything's great. The game is awesome. Where's Jeff? Yeah, I was never asked. I was never invited. Yeah. Uh, they, they knew you would be too expensive, buddy. Oh, I don't know. To be part of a video game? I, I mean, they, they, they got I'm me not, for free, man. I was going to say, I'm not even <laughs> sure I would have charged for that. They, they got me for free on that one. So You know you know what? I Honestly, I probably I would have done it for like a small, um, and I mean, a very, very small like royalty thing maybe yeah. to, where, to where, you know, if it blows up and makes a billion dollars, I, I get a small, I, I agree, very small it, it, cut. I, I, would, I, don't, I, I wouldn't have charged them. I wouldn't have said, yeah, you know, pay me $100,000 to voice yeah, I wouldn't have done that. I actually had a friend of mine. It's like, oh, man, that's so cool. You're going to be in a video game. You're, I was like, yeah, but I'm getting zero out yeah. of it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's cool, but they, you know, there was no overhead with me. You know yeah. what I mean? So, well, I think, but, I think, but the thing with the with the sport though, and this is why I mean we don't we don't make a lot of money, obviously. And again, for something like that, I, I probably wouldn't even charged for it. Um, but you hope that what's good for the goose is good for the gander, right? So you hope if something like this blows up, that th- that's just better for all of us, right? Yeah. Uh, look, if, if I haven't the I, I, more money. We yeah, all will make more money eventually. Yeah, yeah. To be honest, I haven't read a lot of the reviews. I think some people are struggling. Trey's already put out. Uh, like a cheat sheet <laughs> on, on the pro page online. It's uh, it, it's, it's, I was like, man, we're five minutes in. There's already cheat codes. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Cause it's a hard game. I think it's meant to be very difficult. And I think some of the players are like, man, I can't score. You know, and, <laughs> no, and that's funny. Yeah. And so I think some of them are having time with it, but hopefully everyone likes it, but yeah, they were missing their, their McCarriger. Well, I, w- I for sure would have done it. Bummed that I wasn't on it, but I'm excited for you guys, and I'm sure it's going to take off. I mean, with the popularity and all the kids playing game. I mean, look at Ryan Windsor. We just had him on a couple of weeks ago. He's a big time gamer. He couldn't wait for it to come out because he's he's hoping to be able to take that to 
like a competitive level. To apparently, he's un- unbeatable. Yeah, apparently he's unbeatable in the game. Like if you're playing against him, Shocking. yeah, you can't beat him. Oh, like his character in the game. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's funny. But yeah, let's get into what we were talking about earlier because I think it's much okay. more poignant than what we. Yeah. Um. So okay. So we had a conference call today, just pulling back the curtain, and one of the announcements uh, coming up in the national is uh, that we are actually going to have a DJ, and um, and she. I think I think they said it's a she. It's she, power she's up, not, yeah. she, you're still going to be doing your crowd hype stuff, but she's going to be doing um, the all the music behind the scenes, and which which I think is pretty cool. And I've mentioned this yeah. before that at NBA games, they they just very subtly will put in just kind of a just just kind of a beat right underneath mm-hmm. the players while they're in transition from offense sure. to defense. I love that. I think I think it's awesome. Um, so we'll see how this goes for cornhole because you know getting back into a topic that you and I have touched on that's been pretty sensitive is you know where do we want the future of this sport to go as far as live competition? I mean it's it's gotten I, I feel like and and I think a few of you have said that maybe I'm wrong on this, but I feel like the sport has um, it's gotten quiet and, and maybe it's just small sample size because no, it has. It has just the one, the two time, one time a year for the world championships and the one event that you saw in Nashville, really the only time the crowds hyped and really into it. And even with the big crowd that we have at the world championships, it can get pretty quiet, which can be cool because of the tension. If there's a big explosion of noise later, but if it just stays quiet, it doesn't, it, it translates poorly to TV. Yeah. Right. So, so just trying to trying to make it, you know, tr- trying to build on that excitement. So I'm all for that. I, I think that that's I think that's that's really going to be at least at least a good experiment to mm-hmm. see how it kind of feels and sounds like because there have been many times where it's just dead. But I mean, I, I don't know I don't know if that's necessarily good or bad. Um, you know, in golf, it's fine. It's quiet. All you can hear is the birds chirping, right? Um, but but I'm not sure that's I'm not sure that's where we want to be. You know, yeah, sure a lot of it, you know. A lot of just to let it further behind the curtain. A lot of that's been thrown on me. Like you need to do more to get the crowd hype. And I'm like, what is it exactly that you want me to do? You know, I, I don't really understand. Like I don't think we need someone. Like I don't want to be campy. You know what I mean? I don't want it to be silly. Mm-hmm. And I and and because I think that takes away from the sport. I think that makes the sport even have less credibility than it has now. Like you know, I yeah. you start getting someone out there being campy and silly. Well, then there's no reason to take the players and their talent serious. You I know, totally agree it, with you. I'm not sure what campy means, but I agree with what you're saying. I mean, you know, being silly and like it's been told to me, like, you know, when someone's a timeout, you need to run out there and put a mic in their face. Like, what are you thinking? You know, it's like, you know, being kind of silly. I, I just don't like uh, they're taking it serious, but you're wanting me to not take it serious. Like, what is it? Do you want just a one hour, two hour comedy act? You know, like, what is it? Like, there's only so many things you can say to try to get a callback response from a crowd, right? Yeah. And I just, I don't know personally what to do to get the crowd more hype. Like, look, there's certain times they're going to be into it. And everyone's maybe a little, you know, libations have been flowing all day and everyone's into it. But there's other times people are tired. And you can tell because our crowd at this point is mostly players. Mm-hmm. And, they're and they've been playing all day. Yeah. Qualifying, playing. Yeah. Yeah. They're angry for not playing well. They're too drunk sometimes because they've been drinking all day and they're just plain tired. It's a grind. And so sometimes it is tough to get people wound up. Now, I'm I'm all for hearing what I should be doing 
but I have pushed back on a few things like we talked about off air that at the uh, at the th- uh, Spencer McKenzie throwdown, Rob Chismark is always talking during the game. Mm-hmm. I think that's fine for Rob. I don't think I would do that very well. And from the small sample size of players I've had come up and talk to me afterwards, I don't think they like it all that much because it's, it's kind of like in, in, in golf, like golf, like people say they're not, you know, there's not enough noise in golf. Like, I don't know if you've ever watched the Ryder cup, but they'll encourage Mm -hmm. the crowd to scream constantly. And when it's white noise, you can still concentrate through that. The problem is, is when it's all quiet and then someone yells right when you're, you know, which is what they do in basketball for free throws. So I don't, I don't know where we need to be there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's my point. We are so caught right now as a sport into what we want to be. And my thoughts with all due respect to, to Rob Chismark, because Rob's great personality. I don't like that. I don't want running play by play at a live event. If I'm at an NBA basketball game, like I told you, I don't need someone narrating in, 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 you know, throughout the PA system, you know, Steph Curry goes down low to Draymond Green back to Steph Curry for three. Got it. You know, whatever. Kind of like the and one experience. Remember when the and one mixtapes were out, there was always the guy with the microphone doing that during the, I don't like yeah. that either. I think that yeah. makes it less, it takes away the integrity of the sport because I, I you like, guys I are do doing like player play identification, though. I, I like it. Like when Steph hits a three, you hear mm-hmm. the PA guy say Steph Curry for three, you know, and the whole right. crowd, you know, goes crazy, whatever that, that I like, but I don't, I don't, I don't need or want run. At least I don't think I do want running commentary throughout the PA system the whole time I'm watching a sporting event. And I don't think I'd like that for cornhole either. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting what, what the thought process is. I mean, I agree that there are times we need the crowd. Look, for those of you at home, go YouTube or whatever professional darts in Europe and watch how insane those crowds are for darts. It's bonkers. It's crazy. But the PA guys only screaming out 180 or whatever if someone hits it. You know, the play-by-play guys on TV are doing what you guys do. But for whatever reason, those fans go out of their mind. Yeah. And I'm sure alcohol has something to do with it. <laughs> well, and, and again, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go down this road because because we do every single week. But our game has evolved. Darts is easy to cheer for. You got guys from twenty or thirty feet away that are literally throwing laser beams into, a, into a specific point. Twelve right? feet, eleven feet. Yeah, not even that far. Whatever, really. yeah, yeah, whatever it is, right? And but but they're really good. And and again, that's something that I can't do at home. That's something I can't do at 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 the bar, right? And it's exciting to what every shot is exciting because every shot has to be in, right? Our sport's not like that anymore. And again, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole. <laughs> but Bernie, you know where I'm going. I know exactly the where you're going. The first bag misses. I know it doesn't miss. I don't want emails. I get it. It's a level one block, level two block. I get it. It's not a mess. To the TV viewer, the first bag misses. Then the second bag may go in behind the first one and misses the hole again, right? Mm-hmm. Then the third one tries to airmail. That one misses, goes off the back of the board. Next one, a roll shot, flops off to the right. It's not darts. It's not, it's not, every shot is not going to matter. It's more like baseball. Like you, like, like your analogy, I thought was terrific. You know, you've got Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds, right? Roger's not going to throw a strike every time. If he does, he's going to give up a home run every time. He's yeah. going to try and set him up. You know, so I don't, I don't think we, anyone who wants to compare the live, you know, excitement experience of darts versus cornhole it's two completely different games fundamentally yeah. the thing is no defense that, in darts no right. defense 
But when they miss, they actually miss. Like in, like in our sport, your quote-unquote miss, your block, is an actual strategic shot that technically yeah. is tougher. I get it. I get it. But like I in darts, when they it. miss the triple 20, that's a miss. That's a yeah. flat-out miss. But, but, there so much, but there was so much on that one throw, though, and oh, every yeah. throw is like that. I mean, that's yeah. exciting to watch. There's it, no it, doubt it about is. it. But I think, A, Europeans are different, especially the English, especially the English when you get them riled up all day, right? They're, they're going to be loud, okay? they're going Because it's a bar – you know, the, the crowd is a bar crowd. You know what I mean? It's not, yeah. it, it's, it's not, you know, 20,000 drunk people drinking pints all day. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's it's who terrific. that crowd is. And they're, and they're having a blast, but yeah. it's, uh, I don't know where we go. I don't know. I mean, I'm hoping the DJ experience helps. I'm sure we're going to have some players that don't like it because I imagine she's not going to be playing their favorite music all the time. And then I'm, look, I'm sure we're going to hear all about it. Right. I think most people won't care one way or the other. I think they'll like the fact that it doesn't get that quiet because I've always felt this. If there's a little noise, people feel like they have to be a little louder. And when it's quiet, people feel like they have to be a little bit more quiet. And so it creates a buzz. Yeah, it does. And and so hopefully that does kind of create and build energy within the room that, you know, it's not I, I doubt it will be a very loud amount of noise when when there actually is gameplay going on. But I, I'm interested. I'm interested to see where we go from that. And I'm interested to see, you know, because I've had a few things, to, you know, said you need to be doing this, which is great. I mean, I'm all for it. Tell me what I need to do better. But there are certain things that I think make it a little silly. And I don't know if we need to be silly if we're trying to sell a sport. You know, if we're. Yeah, I totally if, agree with you. If yeah. we're all going to be on the same page and say, hey, this whole thing's silly and let's just make fun of it, it's a whole different story. I doubt the players get on board with that. But, you know, I digress. No, I'm with you. I, I and, and I guess I guess the word that comes to my mind is organic. It has to happen organically, and um, you know that that's another great thing though is is that with this sport, it kind of reminds me of NASCAR. And NASCAR is still like this. Like they are not afraid to change the rules at any time. Sure, you know, and that and that's what's so great about being a new league and a new sport. I mean, you know, again, to, to you and to Trey and Stacy, um, you know, who've been doing this for a long time, Josh, Kat, I mean, it's, it's been a part of their life for years, right? Mm-hmm. But it's still such a new sport. Yeah. And so, and I thought Trevor Brooks, when we had him on, kind of alluded to that just, uh, what, it was just a few weeks ago when we had Trevor on. Yep. Um, it's a new sport. So if we have to tweak things here and there, we can do it. And yeah. I think that's, I think that's the fun part about being kind of a part of this whole, this whole platform as we build it up and it's also part of i think the beauty of the youth movement in the game is that they're not worried about change necessarily right they're they're teenagers you're like okay cool i'll just adjust to that you know the the middle-aged players that we have you know they're they're so change averse right Like, like they want no part of change like every time that we change something it's it's a complete disaster and it's going to ruin the sport according to some of our older and it doesn't you know, I mean, do you, for example, to your point about how great change is and, ha- and we're in that area. I mean, think about the shootouts and round limited games. Yes. I remember when that Good idea example. came up, people were like, that'll never work. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And now it creates some of the most, you know, pressure filled moments in our game. So it's. Yeah. Change is good at times. Yeah. I, I just think it's so great that we can be so creative and and. I don't know, just kind of play with different things and experiment with with different things. So we'll find out. Uh, So normally at this point in the show is when we go to our guest, Mm -hmm. but the guest, the guest has left the building. 
Oh, oh, he's there. He's back. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he walked out on us because you know what? It wouldn't surprise me because he has way better things to do the week before the first half. Very busy man. Then, I'm, I'm actually surprised he said he could do it today. I know. Very I feel bad. Man. We probably should have had him on last week, but <laughs> yeah. uh, so our our guest this week is the chief operating officer of the American Cornhole League. So we're going to really pull back the curtain today. Uh, his career spanned over 30 years of creating, producing, and managing live events, tours, and video productions. Again, a great guy to have on to talk about some of this stuff today. Um, he has held key management positions with leading sports and entertainment companies, including Clear Channel, SFX Sports, Jefferson Pilot Sports, Raycom Sports, where he was director of operations. Now, prior to joining the ACL, uh, he was a senior vice president at Clear Channel Entertainment, which is now Live Nation, where he managed... Mm -hmm the company's sports events, tours, television productions. And over his career, he has been responsible for creating and managing many innovative, successful events and television programs for CBS, Fox, NBC, ABC, and ESPN. He is, uh, it's funny because I just met Fred about six months ago before um, he and I both joined the American Cornhole League. So we had just gotten to know each other just on, on a completely separate business transaction. And then uh, our lives came back together, crashing back together here in the ACL. So <laughs> a great friend. He's been great to work with and so critical to the success and the movement of the American Cornhole League. Please welcome to Borderline for the first time. You know him. You love him. Fred Bouchero. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for that introduction, Jeff. Uh, it's, amazing. That. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be on with you guys. You're two of my favorite guys. Uh, I love you too and enjoy working with you and uh, have been a big supporter and a big fan. Stephanie, my wife and I listen to the podcast every week. You know, we're on the road a lot, so it's always on the, on, on the radio, so to speak. Uh, but uh, it, it's always a pleasure uh, to listen to you guys. You do an awesome job. I think we're up to 16 people. Uh, yeah, that's watching right. now. Well, so we, if we, you add we his are... wife, Stephanie, that's 17. <laughs> yeah, we, we greatly appreciate you and Stephanie being two of the of the 17. So thank you. <laughs> hey, uh, Fred, uh, first of all, thank you so this much. You're obviously is my camera out of focus. It looks terrible. Um, yeah. I don't know. My my eyes, my eyes are have gotten it's so a little bad out of all focus. Of a right? So it yeah. looks a little blurry to me, but it, it could be my eyes. Yeah, it does look blurry as hell to me. But anyway, I, I get very particular about that. You know, this is my area. Oh, yeah video and and i gotta have everything just right and uh if it's not i'm not happy with it so uh apologize Fred, if there's any I, technical problems on, on a positive note um i've always dug your style man you look like such like a west coast just like awesome guy doesn't he <laughs> he's got the cool glasses the facial hair the hair back i mean i've just always thought you just look like freaking just sweet hollywood fast well, money Fred. I, 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 you know perception is reality right you're uh, right, yeah. You know, and I did move here from California back in the 80s. So there you go. Uh, I, I, I was uh, actually born and raised in Ohio, uh, but ended up in California after graduating from college and, and then moved here uh, in the 80s. So uh, I got some California in me. Yeah, still got that West Coast style. That's all right. So, all right. So, first off, thank <laughs> you so much for being on the show. Um, yeah, Bernie and I were just talking about you, probably heard us, but yeah, of all the weeks to have you on. This is probably not the best week. You guys have so much going on next <laughs> week, but thank you so much for taking a half hour of your time to join us. Uh, this is this is um, 
going to be a crazy week, and we are so excited to be down at Corpus Christi in Texas next next week for the first national. Uh, it's about time. It feels yeah. like it's been it feels like it's been forever. Now, it's right now, this well. is the other thing. I was gonna <laughs> I was just gonna joke with Fred and make sure. Yeah. Hey, are, are you sure that you're going to be okay is. in the HQ? Because the Wi-Fi, right, has the, been the like HQ, in our conference call yeah, today. The Wi-Fi, is the Wi-Fi has been an issue. And it, and it, it, I was on calls earlier today, and it was a little shaky. I think you were on the production call earlier. So you'd think we have better Wi-Fi uh, than we do. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it, we, it challenges us every now and then. We think we're, we're, we're getting to the root of the problem, though. <laughs> All right, Fred, first question. So uh, Bernie and I were just talking about this uh, in the conference call this morning. It, it was great to hear some of the changes. We're going to add a DJ. So there's going to be some music that's going to be played kind of in between rounds to kind of hype up the crowd. And then maybe, you know, lower the music. I use the analogy kind of like in the NBA when they have like a beat, you know, in the transition. But it'd be kind of cool. But Fred, just kind of kind of on a larger issue. This has been this has been fun for me as kind of a little bit of an outsider, but this has to be a lot of fun for someone like you who's the COO of the league, right? I mean, you've been growing with this. Like, I know it's frustrating at times because we don't always get everything right, but how much fun has it been, looking back on it, for you all to be able to put your creative juices together and make changes when you want to make changes and try and grow this thing together? I think it's been great. Well, you made the point earlier, you know, the, the ability we have as a growing league, as an evolving league, is to be able to iterate and make changes and adapt. And I think that's very important because uh, many organizations get stuck in a certain way and it doesn't necessarily reflect, you know, the uh, attitudes or the interests of the general public or whoever we are trying to attract. So we're, we're always got our eyes and ears out to things that we can improve to make things better. And, uh, and certainly in the area of Live events, you know, is where a lot of our focus is right now. You pointed out earlier, you know, we we want more excitement in the in the arena. We we really, I mean, our biggest year was COVID, and I hate to say it because you know we couldn't have audiences. So, but what we did get was a lot of TV viewers, you know, because we were the only live sports on TV, and and ESPN bumped us up to primetime spots on the main network, and that was a great benefit to us. And, and it showed them what kind of audience we can deliver, but it also showed us, you know, uh, where we need to focus our interests and energies going forward. And that is creating more of a fan experience for the live event, for the live audience. I've been involved in, in, in sports events and tours, you know, my entire career and touring everything from indoor soccer events to figure skating to gymnastics and, and then to larger stick and ball and golf and that sort of thing. And, and, and I've always had an interest, certainly on the TV side, making good television, creating compelling stories and, and visuals and images. But it's also about the audience, people that are there on the sidelines or people that are there in the stands, you know, because that's really, you know, where the energy is. And, and, uh, and so we're, we've got a lot of interest, a lot of focus on that right now. And particularly now with, with COVID lifted, you know, where we can bring people in. Uh, and and uh, into the into the events. So so that's the DJ you mentioned that that's one of the steps in that direction. Uh, but we've redesigned our our footprint for our event and our brought around our broadcast to allow for more seating and more of a spectator friendly type of environment. Uh, Bernie, you do an awesome job on the on the announce side. Uh, I, I mean, I remember when I first met you in Myrtle Beach when when we were 
carrying our entire tournament in what two trailers behind yeah, maybe. a couple pickup trucks right yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know now we're getting a 53 foot you know semi you know so these are the types of things that excite me but but we talked about it then i told you then you know you need to you need to be on the air you need to be talent i recognize your 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 strength tell it like it is fred tell the people what they want to hear fred tell them no, the no. Truth. i i encourage because you know i work with talent a lot that's part of what i've done i've been involved in the business and encourage that and jeff there, there's you know there's very little i can tell you you're you're just you're just the, the best and marvelous voice and 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 a great interviewer i mean you get people to say things you draw things out of people uh through conversation that's the best way to do it you're not drilling questions in what do you think of that what do you, how you do that but it's it's involved it's a it's a conversation and that makes it really comfortable so you guys do a great job i'll i'll, I'll just say that but we're trying to get more. Oh, well, well, we now involved. we now have we now know what we're going to cut for the tease for this week for social oh, media. All, all that all that great stuff that yes. Fred just said about that, me. That that is going in. I'll make sure to cut out the stuff about Bernie though. <laughs> yeah, always. But Jeff, you mentioned it too. <laughs> I met you. I was in esports at the time. I was doing some esports yes. consulting and working with Major League Gaming and a couple of big uh, esports outfits, which I loved. That was fun. Uh, but a lot of high pressure stuff. You know, it's video games. It's fast. It's this and that coming at you. And and Jeff and I. Uh, uh, we're talking to the same organization out in New York, and the, and the head of that group said, "Well, you guys ought to get your talk to him." He connected me with Jeff, and Jeff with me, and we met each other at a, at a Starbucks, I think, somewhere, and then set up a lunch appointment. And it was like, you know, I knew got to know about you, Jeff, and and who you are and what you do, and you got to know me. And we said, "Well, let's see where this thing goes." The next thing I know. I'm in Myrtle Beach doing it with the ACL, doing the college tournament, yeah. and Jeff shows up, and it's like, oh my God! I just love things like that because you know they're meant to be, you know, kismet. I'm all about that, and uh, you know, I mean, cornhole, cornhole, Fred. In all honesty, cornhole wasn't even in our minds. Not even in our the mind. first time we met. No. We, that, that, I mean, that, that was so far from anything that we That's were talking exactly about. Right. Yeah. That's exactly right. So I love when things come together. Uh, I'm sorry I, I, I couldn't get on earlier uh, when uh, when you asked me when I was traveling back from uh, I guess Arizona at the time. Uh, but uh, you know, Bernie, you'll you'll appreciate this. When I first moved here to to North Carolina and I got out of the Bay Area in San Francisco because you know I couldn't afford to live there and especially to raise a family there and I was just starting that out uh, and and came to work for Jefferson Productions here in Charlotte and. Uh, and about a year, and I was producing commercials. That's what they hired me as a commercial producer. First commercial I ever produced here was the Tidy Bowl Man, you know, with Larry Sprinkle. You know, nice. Larry's <laughs> one of our on-air talent here at yeah. Channel Six. And and and, I, and this is fun. Uh, but commercials are just, you know, it's a lot of work, a lot of money, just to fool people. You know, hey, look at this. You know, and <laughs> this is really food, but it's not. It's all plastic. So I, I really couldn't get into that. And, and, and that was right when uh, Jefferson uh, JP Sports was partnering up with Raycom and got the rights to ACC basketball. Well, that's all I needed to hear because that's where I was going. And, and starting out you know, in the early, in the 80s with, uh, with, with, with Michael Jordan and James Worthy and Sam Perkins and wow. Dean Smith, I mean, you couldn't have asked for better stuff. So was Jim Thacker still doing the play-by-play -play back then? That was just that. Yeah, he was kind of just the one. Kind of fade it, now. You know? Okay, I got you. Yep. Because it, it became a, a, a bigger money. Uh, there, there were the originals for sure, Thacker and Packer. Yeah. Uh, but yep. uh, but once uh, Raycom got it and JP got involved in it, 
uh, we started regional sports syndication uh, and that had never been done before. So we were literally going around to TV stations in the regions of the ACC in this case and, and clearing uh, our broadcast on their stations so they would preempt the network. This is before the networks could even do regional feeds. They were doing one national feed and that's it. So we were, we were not, they were not happy about us up in New York, but, but we had <laughs> a couple of really strong affiliates and we were delivering better numbers than, than, than they could on the network games. And, mm. and, and, and that really started things going. And, and I think that's what really got me, uh, really started my career was working in sports. I, I just love sports. You know, it's, 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 it's all the drama, all the excitement, all the unknowns you could ask for on the court, on the floor, at the, at that time, you know, uh, commercials and entertainment, you got to do scripts and you got to plan this and it takes three hours to shoot one shot uh, or you create reality programming. <laughs> reality programming in sports is the original reality programming, right? You 100%. don't know who's going to win, what's going to happen. And, and I just love that about the, the nature of, of working in sports. So uh, ever since then, you know, it, it's been nonstop for me in my career. Uh, you know, going from like all the sports that I mentioned, and including NASCAR and even cycling and and poker and and then esports and and now uh, cornhole. It couldn't be a better place to to end up in a sense because I don't. I, I love this job and I love this organization and we're just beginning. Well, Fred, I, all right. Two things. First question actually is for Jeff. How amazing is it, Jeff, to actually have a guest that wants to talk? I know this is great. <laughs> So just go, Fred. But secondly, I, I was just thinking but, I've got way too many questions written yeah, down. <laughs> I, I went through your bio, oddly enough. Did you want to be a filmmaker, Fred, when you were in San Francisco? I saw that you were in the San Francisco yeah, Art Institute. You wanted to you wanted to be a filmmaker. Yeah, I, I've always had creative juice. I mean, some people think I'm more business and, you know, where'd you get your MBA or where'd you get your law degree? Uh, I, I, I started this out. I started out in, in, in photography. Uh, my dad was a photographer in the Marine Corps, although he wasn't professionally, uh, and he taught me photography, and it got into my blood and became a passion, and and uh, and, and I, I, I wanted to study uh, more about photography and art, and the University of New Mexico had an amazing photography program with a lot of great photographers and uh, instructors from uh, back east at George Eastman House in Rochester and, and some great uh, historians. And so, uh, uh, I, and, and the quality of light in New Mexico, a lot of things were factoring into my, my choice of that. And so I got involved in, in, in uh, doing photography and, and getting my Bachelor of Fine Arts degree in photography. And, and while there at the university, I, I taught some film classes and, uh, and then got a scholarship to the San Francisco Art Institute uh, on film, filmmaking. So I thought, well, this is my big break. I'm gonna graduate from college. I'm gonna go out to the Bay Area and I'm going to be, you know, a movie maker, right? Going to run into George Lucas and just be part of Lucas Films, <laughs> yeah. be a cinematographer, yeah. So, so I got a job with, uh, so I, I went to the Art Institute and, and, and got my scholarship there and okay, I'm ready to go. Started going around the Bay Area looking for work and uh, got, got, went to a little company called American Zoetrope, which is Francis Ford Coppola's uh, company. Just a little place, you know, down in the, you know, in, in the, in the, in the, uh, Italian section of town there in the in, in the North North Point district and uh, uh, asking for a job. They're doing the apocalypse now down in the Philippines. I was hearing horror stories about what they're going through, but uh, they they said sure we'll bring you on and you know you can be like a PA. 
So I worked in the studio. I got rough cuts coming in. I got different things coming in wow. uh, and organizing materials. And, uh, and, and then I started getting into video and worked for a video company out there. And uh, yeah, but it's always been in my blood. I always loved visual arts. Well, Fred, it's great to have you on because of your background in TV. And, and that's kind of something I want to talk to you about is the importance of cornhole on TV. And, and we've gotten into a debate with some of the players. As a matter of fact, we got into it with Trevor Brooks. You know, we, we love the fact, obviously, that cornhole's on TV. Love our partnership with CBS and with ESPN. And, and, and kind of behind the scenes, we've been debating, do we mic the players or do we not mic the players? I love, Fred, I love having the players mic'd, right? But it comes it comes with uh, with some issues sometimes, and we talked to Trevor about this a few weeks ago because Trevor is an animated guy, and and he doesn't use the best words when he's frustrated, and and that goes through through national TV, and then we get our hands slapped, and you know then we have to talk about this stuff again. But um, you know Trevor has talked about the fact that he he feels like he can flip that switch. He feels like that this year he's he's going to be able to control that. He's not going to do that. I love in our sport. I think that's what makes it unique. You know, we talked like before you came on, we were talking about darts and how that's become unique and how the intensity and excitement behind every shot. I think one of the great things about our sport is being able to mic the players. And, and I, I really think that that can help with with the TV viewership and the ratings and everything, because people will really get to get to pull back the curtain, like I say all the time and hear the strategy that they're that they're talking about, hear what they're thinking about, hear their thoughts and, and, and emotions. I just I love that we can do that. I, I think that's a great point. And I listened to the broadcast and I brought it up with, with some of the production people. I, I listened to your guys comments because I think they're very meaningful. You know, and 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 how the audience perceives an airmail versus a push shot, and and the way we we we, we you know way our, our 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 players play that. But as far as like the miking, uh, I certainly was a, a big uh, endorser and encourager of that. Yeah, you know, we've got to always be careful of uh, you know of language and and being able to have the delay and and deal with that, which we've done a pretty good job of doing, I think. Uh, but but it really gives us a, a, an inside look into the heads of some of these players. And gives us more. It puts us more intimately as a viewer involved in in the emotions and what's going on in the court. So even though you know we might you know not get as much out of some than others, it's worth it when we do. And I think the more we use it and the more comfortable our players get with that process, uh, uh, we'll get more out of it. But uh, I'm definitely a, a fan of it, and and, uh, and and see no reason why not to continue it for sure. Love that. Well, talking about that, though, because remember when we did talk about this, I mentioned because I think some of the players obviously don't like being mic'd and they stop talking. Right. And they and they just don't communicate with their partner and they, they don't do anything that they normally do. But if they didn't know they were being mic'd, at, you know, with a parabolic mic or something like that, that could be aimed at each side of the board, then they don't. I think they would forget about it. And then you might get more organic commentary like is that is that a possibility is that too expensive or or do you not pick up enough or or do you also get too much of the background conversation with a parabolic mic does, does that actually is that possible yeah and you can't isolate it you can't control it quite as much as you can the wireless mics where you can literally control each microphone so you got to have a little bit of control that way where the parabolic doesn't always give you that but the the other i think point is that you know, some of these guys maybe that 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 aren't talking a lot, and you think it might be the fact they're mics. They're probably not 
talkative anyway. They're yeah, most of them. Yeah, demonstrative anyway. And so I'm not convinced that that, that would solve that concern or problem. Uh, I think it's more uh, getting used to it, getting educated, seeing how others act around it, and that familiarity. That's really our our, our best way of working through that and getting the most out of it. Hey Fred, where where do we want to go? We ask this question all the time. Where where do we want? And by we, I mean the league, and and I guess most importantly, Stacy. Um, where where do where do we want the league to go? Are we okay with it being quiet? Are we okay with it being like golf? You know where it, where it gets so quiet. Is is it too quiet on, on on TV? Has it gotten too quiet? Do we want it to be a little bit more, you know, energized? Do we want a little bit more uh, trash talk between the players? Like where do we want the sport to be? Uh, you know, I, I'm not an extreme kind of guy, so I kind of tend to find myself more in the middle, as you know, probably. But yeah, I think absolutely <laughs> we want it to be louder, and we wanted the the audience to be more engaged, and that's what we're working toward. You know, is is elements and and, and things we can do to encourage that, to stimulate that, uh, because uh, that's really the energy we're trying to create. So. You know, and you know, during COVID, when you were out there, we were doing the broadcast with absolutely no talent, not even a family in a lot of cases. It was, you could hear, literally hear a pin drop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and that's the way a lot of people got used to watching it. So there was a certain, as you, I think, pointed out, kind of a mesmerizing almost cadence to watching those bags throw back and forth and back and forth. And, yeah. and that, I think, kept a lot of our audience and really kept a lot of people interested in what we were doing because we were doing it without any audience. So I think we've got a nice base level of, of compelling uh, content and interest around the sport itself. But what we can do is really elevate it now, I think, to create more excitement and energy uh, around the, the competition itself. And that's what we're trying to create. So I've got one. We want it to be louder. I've got one for you, Fred. Round limited formats. We have, instead of like boxing has ring girls, we have round girls. End of round number one, they carry the round number two sign length of the floor. Huh? Does that help? See, I think Stacy has mentioned that before. <laughs> Dude, great, great minds think alike, right? I, I have not discussed that with him, but that would be awesome. Well, be careful now. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, you ought to go like the PBR guy, right? You, you said you don't want to be the campy out there. The PBR yeah. guy, he's like he's literally a clown out there in the, in the, in the yeah. middle of the ring. If you've ever seen those events, oh yeah. <laughs> and I'm not suggesting I'm not suggesting that at all. But uh, I think again, you know, we want to. Uh, it's all about scaling and doing things uh, in in a measured uh, and and deliberate kind of fashion, so we can we can really plan it and and execute it and then measure it. And those are key. You know, we just don't go into these things off flying off the handle, and you know that. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know what Cat does, and Josh does, and and all the team does with the details they cover and the intricacy and the of what they have to execute on. And it's so important to, as I say, plan the work and work the plan. All right, Fred. Tough question for you here. Um, what what do you feel like? has been the most difficult like i'd like to ask you what's the biggest surprise right from from when you started but i think this whole thing is a surprise (laughs) honestly i mean i know it is for me like i I would have never imagined that that we would be at this point three years down the road from well when both you and i pretty much started you know that it would be this this highly evolved and this many viewers and the tv contracts 
Um, so, so, so that being said, and that being a given, what's, what's been the biggest obstacle? What's, what's the biggest challenge that the league faces because of this growth right now? Is scaling actually, you know, because there is kind of like, as we like to say, drinking through a fire hose, you know, <laughs> it's coming at us so quickly and the growth and the demand of it, that, that the biggest challenge we have is, is growing it and scaling it, uh, properly. And by properly, I mean without uh, losing a lot of money, without throwing a lot of resources, without wasting a lot of efforts and time and people uh, to get there. And, and that's a very difficult uh, thing to do. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of the problems we face outside of some of the league-related things are uh, fixed by money, frankly. You know, I mean, you can do a lot of things with money. And you can hire a whole bunch of people to do a lot of things and, and this and that. But but we can't do that. We're not going to do that. And just to the point that we made earlier about going from two trailers to a semi, that's the way we've scaled. It's taken us two years to get here. You know, when I first started to work here, yeah, you know, I had to lay out these vinyl banners and get the creases out of them, you know, <laughs> before we rolled them up to take them to these events and put them on the A-frames and and, 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 and make sure, with, make sure people on that dirty, dirty concrete floor back at the old office. You know, yeah. man, and, you know. You were down and, and at the events, at the events, make sure people with dirty shoes don't walk across them. I don't <laughs> know who would do such a thing. Ever. I know. And, and, and if you're in the event business, vinyl's a part of your life. It just is because that's what signs are made of. But but for broadcast and around that court, uh, it was a big goal of mine when I stepped through the door to get out of vinyl and, and move away from that. And it took a couple years uh, uh, to really move up, and, and but we have. And, you know, these LEDs that we've introduced this year uh, are, are a major step in that direction. And you begin to see what value adding certain elements can, can really have on the look of the show and the broadcast. Uh, and it's all, not always what is apparent. It's always what's not apparent. So these signs that, yeah, they make our sponsors look good, and all of a sudden that looks good, but it also gives a nice look to our our court area it gives almost it gives ambient light to come off of that to give us more reflection on the court and more ambience around that so uh so it's those steps and 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 doing things like that in a measured way transportation has been a big problem we're finally solving that so it's just one step at a time really and where we can make big leaps we'll make big leaps but i i've got a i've got at least a list small list Full of what's coming next and the next things that we'll iterate on and and hopefully uh, build out. Right. What do you think? I mean, one of the problems I think we have when it comes to money, and you talk about how money solves most problems, there still seems to be this perception out there of our game. Why? I mean, is it the name? Is it the players? Is it just our overall attitude as a business? What, what do you think coming from the outside now that you've been here, but you've had such an extensive past in the sports business? What do you, what do you think's causing that perception? Uh, you know, I think it's uh, reality. Perception is reality. You know, so uh, what we want to do is create a perception of, uh, first of all, I mean, our tagline, anybody can play, anybody can win. It's a big piece of our messaging. So it's a lot of the messaging that gets out. But what we're trying to do now and every sport does it, is tell the stories of the players. I mean, you guys do an awesome job of that. Trevor Books, great story. What an amazing story that kid has, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I don't know how many people you've talked to, I've talked to along the way, Cornell's changed their lives, literally. 
uh, and and there's you know Jimmy McGuffin was on the other day. You know Jimmy, I love the guy. I love Damon. You know there's guys up there of my age doing this thing, and there's guys like you know like, like the baby goat out there. So there's so much variety, and there's so many stories, and so it's a big a big step, an important step for us to start start telling those stories. You know Tiger Woods golf. You know you can go through any sport and name the celebrity. That's what people come for. That's what people want to see. Uh, and, and frankly, a little bit of controversy doesn't help either. Doesn't hurt, I should say. Doesn't hurt. <laughs> hey, I, t- I flat out, you heard me. I flat out told Trevor Brooks, the sport, the sport needs him. Yeah. Now more than totally. ever, the sport needs someone like Trevor Brooks. I'm not afraid to say that. I mean, he, totally. I, I get it. He's a polarizing figure and he's very emotional. And and he, um, you know, he has his opinions on things. I love that. I love everything about the spirit of him as a competitor. I really do. And, and he it makes it human. It makes it relatable. Yes. You know, and 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 we've got a guy, you know, Matt Morantz, who's on board now for our executive producer, and he's been doing a great job. He it's, it's his background is telling stories. Every TV show, and he's won Emmys for it, have, have been around storytelling. Uh, and, and that's what we're after now. We're, you know, looking at a, a few exciting projects down the road that are going to help do that. But I think that's a very important piece to our growth right now that the live audience for our events and all this stuff's going to help raise our our game raise our visibility because we can't rely on the competition itself to do that all the time that that is so perfect you said that that actually until until bernie and i got off on a different tangent today that was going to be my rant today (laughs) because because my family we love sitting down and watching american idol and the voice right and I realize that there might be a lot of people watching this, you know, this podcast, they just roll their eyes, whatever. Fred, they do the best job of storytelling. I mean, just last week I was writing these down. I mean, stories of depression, stories of suicide. Uh, I, there, there was a guy whose dad was was a, a professional musician. He had a stroke. He can't play anymore. So now the, the son is kind of taking over where his dad could, you know, to a level his dad could never rise to. Uh, relatives or friends who pass away the week of the show or before, so they never get a chance to see them on national TV. And Fred, when I watch that, we have that. We have all these oh. stories, and, and we don't have time. I mean, I wrote all these names down. Jay Rubin should have been in that car where they were all killed going going you know during during holiday shopping season up to Wisconsin. Stephen Bernasset, football player, breaks his neck, can't play sports anymore. He finds cornhole and it totally changes his life. Uh, Adam Hisner's best friend dies the week of a, of a shootout in Memphis and Adam wins it. Uh, Sarah Cassidy, we all know about her working at Taco Bell. She'd never even flown on a plane before until, until cornhole, uh, Nate Boyer being a teacher, Sam Finley tracking down a shoplifter and getting in a fight. Miranda Coy. I don't know why she doesn't sing anymore. She needs to Brian Schramm, <laughs> you know, Brian Schramm say what you want. He's got to work on this cornhole game. I get it. He was a guitarist for uncle cracker. I mean, come on. This is like big time stuff. Like we, I mean, it goes. John Fuentes, I found out this week, fell out of bed, out of out of a uh, out of a bunk bed when he was little, smashed his skull. He's lucky to be alive, and now he's playing cornhole. Uh, Trevor Brooks, we talked about him. I mean, I, I've got I've got a long. It's, list. it's almost as if we need a thirty minute pregame show to kind of. But we set need these to up. tell these stories, but but we need to watch American Idol, watch watch The Voice. It's just a couple of minutes. It's yeah. just a couple of minutes but it changes the way that you watch them perform. If we can just take a minute or two to tell some of these stories, it's going to change the way that someone watches the match. I mean, and we've got it. We've got all those elements and I'm sure you would agree. Yeah, that's what's happening now. And we're very much aware of that. And it's been a conscious effort last year. Kind of a lot of it got introduced this year. You'll see more 
but you're exactly right. And, and you've said it before on this podcast, you know, the difference between this sport and other sports is the athletes are accessible. You know, you can call, yeah. uh, you know, no, not on the phone and ask them this or that, or we can go approach uh, players about these things and get these kind of stories drawn out because they're so accessible and, and, and approachable. And, and I think that's, that's gold right there. Um, particularly as it relates to, uh, people in general audience being able to relate to these folks. And that's what really what it's about, being able to relate. American Idol, you know, they're relating to these people because they're just like everybody. They're trying to make it, you know, yeah. they're trying to do this and they're trying to get on. You know, it's not somebody who's been, you know, God gifted, you know, uh, ability, athletic ability to, you know, to, to be great at what they do. Fantastic. But not a lot of people can relate to that all the time. And we've got much more relatable subject matter here. All right, Fred. We got to run. We got we got Always. three seconds left. So Bernie, Bernie and I want to start. Bernie and I start want to start like a podcast with with like an old man podcast. All right, so we can talk <laughs> about all the things that we've learned. So in thirty se- fifteen <laughs> seconds, what's the biggest thing you've learned in your life that you now use every day? Do you think? Uh, respect other people, man. It really is so important. Um, you know, we 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 talk a lot about the things we do and the things we create and 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 use and this and that. And I can tell you after 30 some years in, 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 in this business and in this career that, that I've got relationships now that I made back then and that are really important and meaningful now. You know, we don't we don't have a lot of time with what we do to go out and make friends and socialize a lot. It's all about our work, really. It's for me, it has been, unfortunately. But nonetheless, I've made some great friendships and known some good people and some good mentors. So what's important to me is, you know, I provide that kind of a. Uh, opportunity for the people on my team and work with me, particularly the newer ones coming in, to give them, you know, the opportunity to really do their job and to, uh, you know, and, and, and to make a difference. Uh, but but don't forget the people, man. You know, it, 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 they're, they're the ones that are going to be most meaningful as you go through your career and your life in general. So, uh, yeah, you know, that. I could say I've learned how to do this and that, but that's probably the one thing that's really the most important to me and what I've learned the most from. 15 hey, seconds on the nose. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, Fred, we got to run. Appreciate you, man. We'll see you down in uh, Texas. Thank you, man. I look see forward you, to it. All right, we'll do it again sometime. All right, Fred Bouchero. So true. I, I had a professor of mine in Kansas said, said, be good to the people on your way up because you never know when you might need them on the way down. So just just respect everyone you work with. So, all right, we got we to run. Always. All right, brother. Great show. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, everybody, you for watching. Week. Yep, see you.